0: And we're back, the Morshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Morshan, sports media columnist, New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John, before we get started, the biggest who's up of the week was your haircut. People love the shaved look for John Oren, get texts, get tweets, people talk. That was big, big media news. So good job by you. Let and me just sh- say, Andrew, yeah. if
1: anybody doesn't like it, I kind of don't want to hear it. OK, so so no, no texts or anything. Let's keep this positive. Angelos in D.C., we're going to get them as a sponsor.
0: There you go. The official look of the Marchand and Orian sports media podcast is the shape look. All right. This is an exciting thing. We did. But before you go on, Adam Freifeld, got to give
1: him a quick shout out. He was like, what did you do? Go into the barbershop and say, I want the Marchand.
0: (laughs) Uh, Freifeld, longtime sports media um, PR person uh, dating back to ABC, NBC, and now he has his own shop. Uh, so Freifeld, with the Marshand. I don't think many people want the Marshand. It means that you don't have much hair. That's what it means. All right, let's get to what people are listening for sports media coverage. We have some breaking news, Al Michaels and ESPN. ESPN is considering going after and bringing Al Michaels home to Monday night football. We'll get to that a little bit later. We'll talk about Sean Payton. He retires his TV future, Netflix streaming their results last week. What that what does it mean for the sports space? We have stuff on that. The Australian Open, we talked about it last week. We'll get into that again. USFL, big announcement. You had that story this week. Simulcast with Fox and NBC. That's very interesting. I'm a Hall of Fame voter. We're going to talk about that uh, as well. And then, calls of the week, we're going to have all four calls, decisive calls from the playoff weekend that just was, and we'll go through them, we'll rank them. All right, so let's start. Who's up? Who's down?
1: All right, I'm gonna go with the who's up. How can it be anybody other than Roger Goodell this week? I mean, the TV numbers from the division playoffs are bonkers. The the four games average nearly 38 million viewers, which is the league's best number in seven years. The Chiefs bills, 43 million viewers. Andrew. Nothing else on television draws these kinds of numbers. We're still a couple of weeks away from the Super Bowl. I mean, they're just going to continue to grow. But for me, it's more than that for Goodell. The, the NFL is two weeks away from completing its second consecutive season without an interruption during a pandemic. And I know I know he was he was a beneficiary of good timing and good fortune and good luck, but the results are the results, and for my money, Roger Goodell is the most influential executive in sports media right now, without question. All right. For my
0: who's up, I'm going to stay in the NFL. And Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, first off, I've said it before, ESPN has done a tremendous job with that afternoon show, um, with the whole group. Um, I've basically praised all of them. Orlovsky, though, is this week's who's up. Orlovsky has been all over it with his good buddy, Matthew Stafford, who he played with in Detroit. Look, and I kind of was on board with him the whole time. I, I think a lot of times, especially quarterbacks, having talked to a lot of quarterbacks over the years, the system you are you have around you, the players you have around you, and most importantly, the coaches you have around you, really can make the difference between having a career like Troy Aikman and one like Carson Palmer, who had a very good career, but not as great because he's with the Bengals. Olavsky, uh he comes out on Monday, uh, get, gets to – uh wear the bomber jacket with pride on ESPN is, as a champion. the champion. The bigger thing, though, for Orlovsky is the X's and O's and the things he does with Ryan Clark. That has really been additive because it's not only doing them, but it's the way he does it, the passion, and the making it easy to understand. So he gets my who's up for this week. All right, I'm going to take it right into the who's down. I have
1: Reed Hastings of Netflix. And I know this is a topic for later on, but Netflix lost close to $50 billion off its market cap uh, last week. Is 50 billion. Slid... 50 <laughs> billion. That's a B, everybody. If yeah, you're not what, really 50 billion. What's a couple billion between friends, right?
0: Oh, its share
1: yeah. slid more than 20% after a fourth quarter earnings report that uh, let's just say was suboptimal, I suppose, right? But I'm, highlight- I'm highlighting Netflix on a sports media po- uh, podcast because the, of the reason why Netflix was pounded. The streaming market is getting more and more crowded. It's becoming more and more difficult for companies to stand out. And this is potentially awful news for sports leagues and teams that wanna grow. Because sports leagues and teams, they've been dying for big tech to get involved with their business, to pick up rights in a a better way. Well, they better act now if they want it to happen. Because my takeaway from Netflix's mess is consolidation is coming to the streaming world much faster than anybody uh, ha- had predicted beforehand. And the timing
0: right now looks
1: really bad for the sports leagues.
0: Yep, a lot of streamers out there. Also a lot of podcasts out there, John.
1: <laughs> How do we stand out, Andrew? Who's <laughs>
0: who's down? We're trying. All right, who's down? Tony Romo. Uh, he struggled at the end of Sunday's uh, late game, uh, the classic between the Bills and the Chiefs, the thing about what with Romo was, first off, he couldn't finish a thought. Um, that was a big thing. You got to finish his sentences, number one. Number two, as he gets further away from the game, he's got to know more about what the current game is like. And I think he struggled with that. And that's why there's a lot of, again, leaning on here we go and how big this moment is. And I love the enthusiasm. I've been a big um, Romo guy, praised him like everyone else. But some really tough spots, and at the end of the game, he said um, that Kelsey was gonna be now. He thought he was out of bounds, then he thought he was in bounds. Uh, he, he, again, that's part of the appeal of Romo, but it that grows old. Give him credit, he, he and Nance, for the squib kick comment before uh Buffalo kicked it long, and that turned out to maybe be something that was important. Of course, the thing about Twitter and everybody is the thing that they said should have happened. They always decide that would have been successful. Like the idea that the squib kick might've been caught up at the 30 yard line and a lineman just fell down. And then they had the ball at the 30 is like not in anybody's head. Of course that's it would have worked. That's my point. Could. What if the squib kick goes right to
1: uh, Tyreek Hill and he runs it back. Exactly. You know, so,
0: they so, I, so again, he, might've been right in terms of strategy, but um, it's not like a slam dunk. There were 13 seconds left. So Romo struggled. Um, and so, I uh, got to see more and got a better relationship there. Nance and uh, Romo also just, just kind of seems like a disconnect. I've noticed it all year. I wrote about it the other day in my Monday newsletter for post plus. Well, that's a segue.
1: Just like last week, we spent most of the pod on the NFL after the weekend. That was, how can we not spend this pod on the NFL? Let's go right into the topics. Your breaking news story, Andrew. You have ESPN expressing a lot of interest in Al Michaels, you and I both had Al Michaels at over 90% going to Amazon. First question to you, do you where do you put that now in terms of Al Michaels going to Amazon? What, what percent do you put that at?
0: Yeah, maybe 87. I still think Amazon has the lead. Um, you know, We never put out a hundred, so the, he, it hadn't crossed the goal line yet, but I do think they have an advantage. Uh, Al Michaels is tight with Fred Godelli. Uh, who's going to be the producer for Amazon. So he he wants to work with him. The question is, is who will his partner be? I don't think Al Michaels is going to work with anybody. At 77, he's a legend. Uh, he doesn't want to just work with anyone. So Chris Collinsworth is out uh, as one choice. He's not going to do double duty. He's going to stay on Sunday night with Mike Tirico. Drew Brees' stock is down. So Troy Aikman from Fox. That's who Michaels has wanted now. Uh, and so... They will negotiate, and things will probably heat up after the Super Bowl. Uh, but uh, Amazon could have competition. You look at ESPN and Monday Night Football and ABC. That there's been kind of a renaissance first with the Manning cast, and then they're going to get more games, better games as they're going to have a flex scheduling coming up. So it could be a return home for Al Michaels. Uh, they also need more broadcast teams. Uh, they have been using Fowler and Herb Street as that second team. Uh, could they bring in Al to be that, that prime time uh, number one that they've really kind of lacked as a to, when you compare their top teams with the other networks?
1: Now, Al Michaels, when he left ABC ESPN to go to NBC, that was back in 2006, it was a messy divorce. He ultimately was traded by, for um,
0: Oswald oh, the Rabbit.
1: Oswald the Rabbit, exactly. I have a shirt. His- I have an
0: Oswald the Rabbit shirt.
1: <laughs> part of the deal there. What's ESPN's pitch to bring it back? Does it just come down to money? I actually think they have a pretty good pitch. Uh,
0: they could say we're have better. we going to have better games. Uh, they're going to have a playoff game. And I think when you look at the packages, most likely you're the one who says the Amazon's package like doesn't even matter. It's so bad. Now, if they get Al Michaels and Troy Aikman, I think they'll get some good games. I'm not saying all of them will be good. You don't think it'll matter at all.
1: No, no, I don't think it matters. I think it, the NFL looks at distribution, A- A- Andrew, and and even with uh, even if it was Collinsworth and and Michaels or Aikman and Michaels, it still is going to be the least viewed package that's out there, and the NFL is not going to see that with good
0: games. Okay, so then you'd say, well, what can ESPN offer? You know, also they're going to have more games on ABC as we've talked about in the future, and so they could offer that as well, and. The one thing I will say that kind of I haven't written this as much, so I'll, but let me say it here. I do think there is a scenario, uh, where maybe you cut up the games a little bit, right? So if Al goes to Amazon, maybe he works with a certain partner and only does a certain amount of games, or if he goes to Monday Night Football, maybe he only does uh, certain marquee games and does a 10 12 game schedule I, again. That's not something I've been told yet. I just could kind of foresee that maybe happening um, where it kind of makes sense on a lot of levels. All right, so then let me ask
1: you about uh, ESPN. They just did the NFL deal. So they, they have about 11 years before they have to worry about how the NFL views their broadcast. Why wouldn't you bring in a young broadcaster and help build through him? As opposed to what does Al Michaels provide other than maybe a, a two or three year bridge in order to get to the next broadcaster?
0: Yeah, I think that's, I I wrote it. I think that's one of the things that they're thinking about. Does Al Michaels, does he get you to the Super Bowl uh, that they have in 26? Uh, You know, at 77 years old, you know, who knows uh, if he does that or not. Uh, He's been throwing 90, 95 this year. So he's been very good in terms of his performance in the booth. But yeah, to me, if I'm them, I'm looking at either Ian Eagle or Kevin Burkhart, the number twos on CBS and Fox. Those would be my first two calls. I do think that we kind of have a chicken and egg thing with sometimes our broadcasters in terms of, can they do these games? Well, you know, like I, or I associate a certain voice with uh big games. I, of course you're going to, because they've been doing it. Joe Buck who is to me like the, you know, when he gets criticized. I don't agree with that. Like I, he's, He's the best, or one of the best uh, ever, Uh, and uh, but you're going to associate his voice with the World Series. He's been doing it for a quarter century, so of course, and and the Super Bowl and all those big games. So I think the problem is is that a lot of executives don't know what they're looking at, and they make choices where you get a Joe Tessitore or Steve Levy, who great, very good studio guy, Levy, um, okay play-by-play guy, but they end up being the money, and then they say, oh well, we didn't get this right let me add this as well. ESPN likes the crew that they have. Um, And I'm not just saying, well, well, of course they do that. I I do think they're satisfied with that crew long-term. I don't think they necessarily buy in. That's the answer, but could they, if they don't go after Al and they could just say, you know what, let's do another year. We got Manning cast. Let's do Levy greasy. whose contracts up and Riddick another year and go from there. I do think that's very possible, but they are, Definitely contemplating going after Al, which would make things very interesting on a lot of levels, a lot of sliding doors with that.
1: All right, let's go to Amazon now for a second. We've we we've talked a lot about it being a, a, a Drew Brees versus Troy Aikman. Not a lot of talk about Chris Collinsworth, but earlier in this pod, you said Collinsworth is definitely 100% sticking at Sunday Night Football, where he's going to be paired with Tariqo.
0: Yeah, he'll be on Sunday night. I don't see him doing double duty. I, I don't. I don't want to say hundred percent. I don't like to say things are. You know, never say never. social in reporting, nobody's going to be like, "Great job, Marshand. You said that wasn't going to happen." They'll just say, <laughs> "If it somehow does happen, what a loser." So I, I really try to avoid saying something's not going to happen if I can, even if I know it, because uh, there's no real plus side to that. But I don't think that's likely. Let's go to Drew Brees. Okay.
1: The shine is off Drew Brees. From that one game? Really? He, so is that how Amazon's viewing that?
0: I mean, I, I've heard Amazon wasn't crazy about Drew Brees from, for a long time. Again, Michaels has been the target. He wants to work with somebody seasoned. He doesn't want to work with somebody uh, he, ha- he has to break in. Now, if a Sean McVay were to retire, the Rams coach, 36 years old, um, could be very sought after by a lot of people. But would Al work with someone like that? I could see that. Again, now this one, I'm putting out there. Uh, there's some people might be who would write this as like a headline. I would not. Tom <laughs> Brady and Aaron Rodgers would also be two who would be different, you know, because if, if they wanted to do it, again, John, people can't see you or who listening. I see that look on your face. I agree. I don't see them wanting to do that. They don't need to. But you offer them $20 million, uh, Romo money, $18 million. Maybe they consider it. They have plenty of money. I don't see it. But again, those are the type of names that maybe it's like, oh, right, yeah, I'll break those type of people in. But just some average guy off the street who just retires. Um, and even Sean Payton, I don't really see a Sean. I don't think it's out of the question, but I don't see a Sean Payton.
1: Yeah, so uh, breaking news as we were coming on, Sean Payton has told the uh, Saints that he's not coming back as coach. Uh, he is somebody that all the networks have identified uh, as somebody that they want to get on air, uh, not necessarily in the booth, maybe in the studio. I expect that he's going to talk to Fox, NBC, ESPN, and CBS. How do you see that coming out?
0: Yeah, Fox likes him for that Jimmy Johnson role, uh, the coach in there. I don't really think they, I'm not, again, don't want to say never say never, right? I don't think they're there yet, but if Aikman were to leave, I don't really think Peyton would be the guy um, who would replace Aikman Um, from what I understand from talking to people who've been in meetings with him a little long-winded so not necessarily good for a game guy Um, but and I think the idea too and this isn't the podcast listen to this this is things I hear through media folks Uh, you know there is a thought that he wants the Cowboys job and maybe he's just waiting out Mike McCarthy and then gonna try to get that Cowboy job and so that kind of makes him unappealing as a broadcast candidate, if he's, if it's just, just a stopgap uh, year to see what else is out there, maybe not the cowboy job, but another job. Um, I don't know for TV, if that's really where you want to be. It's Sean Payton. He's not Bill Barcells. Um, so, you know, where it's like, all right, he's such a big personality and a legend that I will right, we'll take him for a year or two, knowing he's going to get back in the game. Uh, so, I think he'll be sought after. I don't think, I'm not sure if he'll be the end all be all. I don't really foresee that, but yeah, well, obviously all the networks will call him. um, But I I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it's me. I don't really see it as he's going to be this, like everyone going crazy for Sean I just want to go back to Troy,
1: Troy Aikman, potentially leaving Fox. He's a number one analyst on Fox. They've been together for two decades when these rumors first started percolating about him going over to Amazon, I didn't give them much credence because I know that uh, everybody at Fox uh, liked Troy. Troy seemed to like Fox, but I can tell you that this sort of public dalliance with Amazon is that—that's how you do it as athletes. You—you you make you do—you uh, reach out to other teams and, and and check that out. That's not what you do in broadcasting, and it's rubbing a lot of people. The wrong way so I see that I see much more potential for that happening than I did even a, a couple of weeks ago what percentage do you put on Troy Aikman leaving Fox that's
0: a good one I, look I don't know what he's going to do so to put a number on it um total guesswork um, I don't know either on this all right John you want a percentage I'll give you a percentage uh I will say 35 percent chance he leaves 35. Yeah. Because I think he likes Fox. He likes Buck. They have the super bowl two of the next three years. Uh, but I, the money very well could be much more uh, for Amazon and he's done super bowls. If he's working with Al, you know, money changes things, especially that Romo money. I look, I, I we've talked about this before. Uh, Aikman is a superior quarterback to Romo it's three rings hall of famer. And has been a broadcaster much longer than Romo and Romo makes a lot more money than he does. So, I think Fox will stick to its guns, offer about 12-13 million dollars. Uh, if Amazon comes in at Romo money, 18 million dollars a year with benefits and everything, uh, then he'll have a decision to make and sometimes look, I just have covered free agency in baseball for a long, you know, I did for a long time. You just don't know and generally speaking it's money. I know everyone's like, no, 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 it's not, you know, and and sometimes it's not, and this is a little bit different than playing, um, but so I so but I said thirty five percent, so I'm still saying he'll more likely stick at Fox.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I see he's much more likely at Fox. I'll probably twenty five percent, but I would I was at zero uh, just a couple of weeks ago, so who knows how that's going to move.
0: All right, last but- point before we go on there, I just want to mention Sean McVay though. That's the wild card. If McVay and they win a Super Bowl and he he goes in, I think McVay will be sought after by everybody uh and will be able to make a lot of money young guy 36 i think that's an interesting this one is, to me. this is
1: the second time you've brought up sean McVay. Are, are there rumors that he's leaving coaching
0: well espn tried to get him a couple of years ago which I, I wrote about and he's 36 they have a terrible salary cap situation coming up they traded everybody they went for it this year Uh, He's got a beautiful wife. He's a young guy. I don't know him. Never spoken to Sean McVeigh. Don't know his motivation. Maybe he wants to get up at three in the morning every day and go look at tape, but it's a pretty good life when they're going to offer like a guy like him could maybe get eight, $10 million right out of the, out of the bat do it for five years, then pick his job when he wants to go back. That's not bad. Again, I don't know Sean McVeigh. I don't know what motivates him, but that's just a name to watch. when we talk about all this stuff that is a very interesting one to watch. And then also Fox, we should mention, uh, you know, not only because he was on the pod, but Greg Olson is sitting there. So they do have a good backup plan in-house uh, if you're Fox with Olson, who to me is a better bet than a guy like uh, Sean Payton. I don't really see how you'd want to – you'd go Olson or you've seen proven record over Payton, yet you don't know anything except he uh, was a very successful coach.
1: Yeah, I think it's certain that if Aikman leaves Fox – that's an uh seat to to get. I, I he's loved- yeah. I don't think
0: it's a hundred percent, but I think likely. I, I think they they would look. You know, Fox loves stars, and Olson is a you know big time All Pro. He doesn't doesn't exactly fit what they do usually. Um, they you know they usually go for uh, guys who are Hall of Famers, and again, great career, but not a Hall of Famer. Uh, so, uh, but but I, I probably agree with you. It's it, it's probably Olson, but I, I think. Um, plenty of reporting to do if Aikman did leave, uh, which would shake things up. It'd be good because that would give us a lot of stories and things to talk about. So let's root for that.
1: (laughs) We (laughs) could schedule the pod for the next year.
0: Let's go on. Go ahead. The topic two. Netflix and streaming. uh, You talked about Reed Hastings on the way down. I think that those uh, numbers that you mentioned Those in Burbank and Disney, I have a feeling those resonated with them. And the idea that ESPN is a little more important, maybe we don't spin them off so quickly. Maybe the people think, you know, thinking, hey, let's just spend $30 billion instead of on sports programming. Let's just try to make the next Ted Lasso or or whatever. I do think it's a little foolhardy. Like you don't just throw like, yes, it sounds great. That does sound good to just throw 30 billion into shows and then you own that there's no guarantee with that where the hits come from. I don't think anybody thought Ted Lasso was going to be what it, what it is. So, so I just think when you, when you look at it, um, I think that that might've helps ESPN uh, in terms of how it's looked at in the castle that is Disney.
1: Listen, I have been a huge uh, skeptic about the digital companies and about the streamers, the business that streaming is trying to replace is you know, broadcasters and, and ESPN and TNT, they get paid a lot of money by cable and satellite companies, a lot of money. ESPN is in about 80 million homes. It gets paid more than $10 per subscriber per month, just right off the top, just for being there on, 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 uh, on, on the cable system. I know there's cord cutting. That cord cutting is not gonna go to zero. It's not gonna bottom out. And as you go over to streaming, you lose that income. And so all of a sudden it becomes, you know, you're just trying to get a, a subscription number. Uh, so what, what's it going to be? The, the Sinclair RSN is going to be more than $20 a month, but yep. like trying to convince a, a lot of subscribers at, at that price point, you know, Disney ESPN that's down around, you know, 12, uh, $13 a month. I don't know off the top of my head. And, uh, but, but there's not a lot of money that that money is not going to be replicated that they're getting from, Cable and satellite companies, and that's it. it makes it a much different uh, uh, business, and a, for leagues and teams, it makes it a much less profitable business.
0: And I got direct to consumer. The whole enchilada around two
1: thousand
0: twenty <laughs> <All> right <laughs> yeah, two
1: thousand twenty four. All right, stay with Disney. You know what? <laughs> Let's wrap in topic three with this. The Australian Open. Uh, you had a, a story on this last week, Andrew. Uh, what did you learn?
0: I learned that I very popular with tennis fans when you go uh when you go after ESPN for not showing their matches. Uh, we've seen this in other sports, we saw it in soccer, we've seen it in golf, specifically with Peacock. I mean, look, this is what these networks and companies are trying to do. They're basically charging you twice for your same event. Um, you know, you gotta have ESPN. So you have to have cable, you have to have ESPN plus again if you want all the matches. Yeah, and then they have some matches on ESPN three, and then they had one big match with two Americans that was on espn zero it was nowhere to be found uh, so i did say in the story that you know maybe if you paid a third time you could see the match um so uh yeah that that's an issue but look business wise i totally see why they're doing that for the consumer we've talked about this forever um long live the cable bundle people are gonna kind of wish that was back because for sports fans this is gonna cost a lot more money to
1: see your games listen when i when i saw on social when i got emails uh, from tennis fans, when I read your story, I, my my whole attitude uh, to, to to the tennis fans is like, welcome to the party. This yep. is exactly what soccer fans uh, have been complaining about, especially pr- like the Premier League. You know, you have to get uh, NBC broadcast, and you have to get cable for USA, and then you you have to get Peacock, and then you have to, to get the uh, Premier um, subscription to Peacock, and if you if you want to see all the games. Uh, the unbundling of cable and the rise of streaming is the worst thing to happen to uh to to sports v- viewers and sports fans and it's a uh, it's something that was so avoidable it was uh, the leagues and the networks they were all pigs at the trough they get the, the money kept going higher and higher and then you had people that were out there that, that, that didn't watch sports that were com- complaining about why am i funding you watching ESPN when ESPN is going up over you know ten dollars per subscriber and, and the monthly cable bill is going up. So th- this is this is a situation that unbundling has wrought, and it's uh, it's not going away anytime soon.
0: So could you have a rebundling though? Like if you're Disney and you put and you say, look, you get Disney Plus, you get Hulu, and you get uh, ESPN, the whole enchilada. Now I charge you forty dollars, but I'm giving you maybe all your entertainment needs basically especially when you think about if disney plus can really be do a good job of spending that you know billions and billions on new programming and get a couple of hits that's
1: certainly where it's going and andrew that as so how many would
0: you have like like and i want to you know i don't want to belabor it because we're getting a little off sports but like you know, the mo- the number I've heard a lot of times is people have three of these platforms, right? Like, you know, an, an HBO Max and, e- you know, ESPN uh, or Disney Plus and Netflix. You know, that's kind of the number that's kind of been throwing three to five, maybe. But like, how many can you have? Like, we have, I don't know, I have everything. I can expense some of it. Um, and so, uh, but... Like, how many can you have? And will people be satisfied with things? Or will they switch around? Like, how does that work? And that's, I think, the big question that nobody has the answer to. And the question that the Netflix earnings kind of went at, is there, have we reached a stagnation point where this is how many people are going to do it? And yeah, will it go up a little bit? Yes. But is it that straight line graph that you're seeing with Netflix for so long? Probably not. No, you're going to see ESPN Plus numbers
1: increase with tennis fans this month who are so irritated at having to pay for it, they're going to drop it next month. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to see in the streaming services a lot of churn that you didn't see with cable. And then you're also going to see, all right, yeah, I'll spend $40 for that, you know, ABC, Disney, ESPN bundle. But I'm an NBA fan and I know TNT also has it. So I also have to pay for that Discovery Warner Media bundle as well if I want to see the NBA through the playoffs. And if I like college too, then I have to go and uh, buy Paramount Plus and CBS. And all of a sudden, like I'm getting rebundled at such a higher price point than 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 it was.
0: And the more you'd say this stuff, John, like I'm listening to you and I'm thinking of something. I talked to David Hill, the former head of uh, sports Fox sports chairman, and He was talking about gaming. And why don't the younger fan want to? Why aren't they watching games besides the NFL as much? And you think about that, right? And you're a young fan. You're 24, 25. You're starting to have a, you know, uh, you're a couple of years into your first job. You don't have so much money. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of entry points, expensive entry points to get in. And maybe you just say, you know what? I'll look at Instagram. I'll see the highlights. Like, yeah, the absolutely. main games aren't your- broadcast. I don't need to watch every game. I don't have time for it. I'll do something else. I'll game. I'll, I'll you know maybe um, you know go out with my friends and not watch uh, as much as as many sports as and that and that's a problem. You know when you when you think about all that stuff coming together for these leagues and the networks and the teams.
1: And as opposed to when I graduated college, I don't want to sound like an old guy here, Andrew. But when I graduated college, moved into my, my first apartment, I called the cable guy before I turned on the heat because I had to I had to get MTV at the time, of course, and ESPN and, T- and Turner and everything else.
0: And what John did mention, he used a rotary phone to call the <laughs> cable guy. No, I'm only kidding. He's only a few years older than me. And yeah. I um, actually didn't get a cell phone until I covered the Mets when I was 25, 2000. That was when I first got a cell phone. So, you youngins listening to this, yeah, we're a little bit older, but you can oh, still be entertained. Next topic is the USFL. John, you had the story about how they're going to uh, introduce this uh, again. Uh, USFL, a lot of nostalgia for me. i kind of looking forward to seeing those uniforms out there. So what, what will we see? You know, so you're going to see NBC
1: and Fox together simulcasting the very first game on April 16th uh, from Birmingham, Alabama against the uh, New Jersey Generals against the Birmingham Stallions. And this is unique uh, uh, to me. Uh, th- there's been, according to Fox and, and NBC, this is uh, the first scheduled simulcast for an event since uh, the Super Bowl in 1967, 55 years. Hmm. Spring football, everybody's tried it. We've had in the past couple of years, we've had the XFL come, uh, you know, the, and, and COVID took that away. We had the uh, American, the AAF, the AAFL uh, came and went. Uh, now it's another one. Um, what's success for you, Andrew? For me, it's, it's if they get to year two, uh, it's going to be successful. If they get past year three, it's a, it's a it's an absolute home run. And the fact that you have these two big media companies that are giving primetime hours, showing the same game, shows that they're invested in trying to make this thing work. So I think that uh, for certain, if, if, if I'm betting, I'm going to say that they're definitely going to go to year two, and that's got to be considered a success.
0: I want them to sign the equivalent of Doug Flutie, Jim Kelly, and Steve Young. Then it's a success. I mean, that's why that was so amazing. You <laughs> well, think I didn't back even mention them, Herschel. Wow. He Herschel, really Herschel Walker. I mean, when you think of back to what the USFL did that first, I mean, it is incredible. We had a story like that now challenging the NFL. Yeah, look, they can survive that. Obviously, it seems like there's a lot of feeling among a lot of smart people that spring football can work. I do think the gambling space is really uh, could be helpful in, in that regard because people can bet on these games and people are going to bet even more as gambling uh, becomes legalized in more states. Uh, so, yeah, staying in business, uh, John, you've uh, set the bar very high. Um,
1: <laughs> of course, you, you mentioned that we had the first pick in the draft here in D.C., the Washington Federals, and they went with Craig Jesse James yeah. uh, from SMU. SMU. So, with
0: the big I don't scandal with I don't uh, Eric we won game that year. Yeah, Ron Meyer, I think it was his coach in college at uh, SMU. So, uh, yeah, I love the USFL. I already had gear. I think I mentioned that before uh, of the USFL before they even came back with the league. I had some old time gear, Houston Gambler shirt, um, Pittsburgh Maulers. Uh, they had some uh, fun stuff. All right. All right. So let's, let's go to, let's go to the next topic.
1: And I'm kind of geeked out about this topic. Andrew, you have a Hall of Fame vote for Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I've never been a Hall of Fame voter. So I want to get the whole process of uh, of, um, what you did. Whoever's listening to this, you already know who made the Hall. Uh, We're taping this right before, a couple hours before the announcement. So we don't know actually
0: who went in. But who did you
1: vote for, Andrew?
0: So I voted for Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Jeff Kent, Gary Sheffield, Scott Rowland. No big poppy. So let me address that. Um, and so we don't know. I'm going to hope he gets in. So it's not a big deal. Next year, I'll probably vote for Big Papi uh, if he's if he, in fact, did not get in. Uh, looked like he was going to get in. So uh, as you're listening, you already know this. Number one, uh, I believe the first ballot means something. First ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, and I don't think uh, Big poppy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, the argument against doing that is. Well, if everyone did it, then you don't get the 5% and you fall off the ballot. I knew he wasn't going to, or I wouldn't have risked that. I knew there was going to be enough people that he was going to, uh, he might make it, let alone he's not going to have 5% or less. Uh, So he was going to stay on the ballot. So that's my first reason I put um, a little bit of a premium on first ballot. Number two, DH. Again, I think Poppy's all famer, not first ballot, doesn't play defense, uh, amazing player. Three, and this is the one where everyone goes nuts. This is an opinion. It's the highest honor in sports. I do not know if David Ortiz did steroids or not, right? We don't really know on most of these guys that we have assumptions on. Um, There is a feeling that maybe he did. Again, want to be clear, because it's a public thing. This is just you and I talking. I don't know that. But to me, a little ping of, I'm going to wait till year two to vote for, for people who I have some question marks about that. Factoring in the DH, factoring in first time Hall of Famer, Next year, um, I don't know. You can say, well, wait, are you, I don't, it's not black and white, all this. Unfortunately, it's gray because of how it was handled in the moment. And so because of that, uh, there is differences. So why'd you vote for Bonds and Clemens? Well, they're in the final year of their ballots um, when they both, uh, I feel like they're Hall of Famers especially Bonds without steroids. Clemens a little more, not as clear. Uh, also was not illegal in the game when they allegedly did it. So um, so that's my reasoning uh, behind that. A-Rod, Manny Ramirez out. They both, Manny got banged three times for steroids. Get out of here. You can't be considered. Again, maybe you say, okay, it's okay to use steroids. The My feeling is I have players I covered who are very good players who I felt like didn't do steroids. I don't know they didn't do it. They could have, but I don't think they did not going to be hall of famers. I feel like they were hurt. Now there's not a moral stand. There is an artificial um, enhancement that other people use that penalize these other players. So again, this is an honor. I don't give them that honor. A-Rod sued everybody suspended lied. I don't know if we, if the integrity clause means anything, uh, then I think A-Rod doesn't get in. It's a shame would have gotten in probably without steroids if he never did steroids, but um, he did, and then he tried to ruin baseball. So I think it's hard to put him in.
1: And I don't have a vote. I'm very happy that I don't have a vote. If I did have a vote, I would vote all the steroid guys in. The steroid guys, they were the best players of their era, and I I, I think that we're we're putting uh, we're judging them in a different way than you judge people in the dead ball era. As so I I would uh, I would have. All the people that Barry Bonds, I would have voted in, Roger Clemens, I would have voted in, Raphael Palmero. I might even vote in for goodness sakes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The steroid era, I, I it may, look, it just it makes it so you don't really like I make my I make my ballot public. i spent a lot of time in it. Do you um, like the idea
1: I, that you have to make your ballot public?
0: Yes, we voted on it. Here's the thing that people don't know is that the writers voted on it and it was overwhelming. It was like maybe five, 10 people vote against it and hundreds voted for it to make them all public. Um, but now it's your choice instead. The hall doesn't want that. I will say there is a level of scrutiny that you get and the individual ballots get so much focus. It's not like nobody, like I, I, I have no problem with it personally. Like I understand, like when I didn't vote for Ortiz, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to, Maybe people, you know, asking about it and I don't want to discuss it on Twitter. It's not nuanced there. You can't explain it. Um, and if you don't really have that forum, you know, and, and people do go so crazy about it either way. Um, you should be able to defend your vote for sure. And it should be public. But uh, I don't find that if people have such different views on it and they're not really seen about it. How do you
1: feel? about public uh, people like Levitard several years ago get, giving his ballot away to uh, to Deadspin. Was it uh, Shaughnessy up in Boston that just votes for Jeff Kent and nobody else? Does that irritate you as a voter or?
0: I will say this. I, I don't know exactly how many voters there are. I think it's 600 plus voters. Um, and I will say if you get 600 plus of anything voting on anything, um, they're just not gonna agree how you should go about it. They're not gonna agree who you should vote for. And I think the I think, we do a pretty good job of it. And I also think what's lost is the 75% threshold that you have to reach um, is a high threshold for people, three-fourths of people have to agree upon. And when you factor in the steroids thing um, into this era, it just makes it difficult for people to see everything uh, the right way. And everyone has their reasoning. And I will say the voters I know will post with a lot of voters they all take it very seriously think about it a lot and go through it all and think about it. So, but uh, so does that annoy me? No, nah, I mean, I'm not so like, I don't know. I'm not so uh, uh, baseball purist that that bothers me that much. All right. And final question. Do you like
1: the idea that media members vote on the hall or do you, do you feel that media members somewhat are a little bit more compromised?
0: Yeah. I just, again, this is going to self self-serving because I'm a reporter and I've, you know, Did the had a baseball cards card for ten years, so I I did vote. Um, The I would say that I don't if not us who like people like the players. The players would be terrible. They'd be all for their friends and you know who you're. It'd be that'd be awful. The the players. Um, and you see with the veterans committee, some of the decisions they make, um, they put their friends in. uh, So they're, they're compromised. Fans. I mean, you could do a fan vote, but that doesn't fit either. Um, so I don't think, you know, could you have other components maybe, but it doesn't really, um, uh, it doesn't really work. I love this topic.
1: I could do, we could do a whole pod on this topic, but, uh, uh, let's move on to, uh, the, the, section I was looking most forward to for this pod.
0: Call of the week.
1: We're doing something a little bit different this time. We're going to, uh, we, we got together. We're going to do four calls of the week. There were four NFL games over the weekend. All four were won on the final play. Let's go to the first call. We have Ian Eagle and Trent Green calling the end of the Cincinnati-Tennessee game.
0: 52-yarder, sweeps the leg, Max Pearson. He's got it. Cincinnati wins.
1: They are going to the end championship game for the first time since 1988 I love that call of the four calls I have that ranked tops number one for me Ian Eagle has the voice he told the viewer what was coming he called it perfectly without stuttering and he just got he got the call out and I, th- I just thought it was a, a really good call
0: yeah, I'm gonna to wait to listen to all four before I say is number one. Keep the suspense going. Oh, uh, go. <laughs> but I did think I think he I think he did nail it. Like when you look at uh setting the scene, uh the pauses, the crowd, Trent Green, good job not saying anything, not getting, you know, uh messing up the call. But uh yeah, I I thought he nailed it as well. Uh so that's an excellent call. All right, let's go to the next call. What do we all got? All right, let's go to the next call. The next call is uh Joe Buck, Troy Aikman
1: calling the end of the 49ers Packers game.
0: Kick was
1: down the middle and good 49ers win it. San Francisco is
0: moving on with a 13 to 10 win here at Lambeau. So the funny thing about Joe Buck is like a lot of people say he makes it about himself. And he's done so many big calls. And the thing about it, he doesn't make it about himself. And that call, like, again, guys like Buck and Al Michaels, uh, who've done this for so many years, have called so many big calls. It feels big when they call it. So economy of words, huge pause, which doesn't really do it justice on the pod because you don't get the video, but lets the pictures tell the story. Excellent call. Um, And he keeps it simple. I mean, that's like his thing. He doesn't try to, to make it about himself. Um, and so i like the call a lot uh, yeah the, the only demerit i'm going to give joe on that call is he he sort of
1: went uh he 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 put his voice in there when he should have been silent uh but look i think joe is the best NFL announcer uh, uh, out there right now uh and i i don't think that was one of his best end, end of game calls
0: yeah i think i i agree he'd probably tell you the same thing he probably didn't need the uh part of it but the uh but the rest of it was very good all right what do we got next all right, next we're going to Al Michaels,
1: Chris Collinsworth for the Rams-Butts game. 30 yards to win the game. Matt Gape boots it through. And the Rams, by the hair of their skinny teeth, Al, up winning it? three games so far, a walk-off field goal. Yes. All three. Yes.
0: Cooper Cup. Two gigantic plays. All right, well, that was not, do you believe in miracles? Yes. (laughs) Uh, That wasn't Al's best call. Like, I thought on the broadcast, he nailed it. That wasn't his best call. He kind of was going for the hair of your chinny chin chin, then he went to the teeth thing. So I actually didn't notice it when I first heard it. Um, It didn't really bother me. It, it doesn't really bother me quite honestly. It kind of makes it a little bit more actually endearing in some regards because he kind of mixed them up. It would have been a little maybe cliche if he just went with one of them. Uh Collinsworth uh, uh, was a little clumsy getting on top of his call at the end. But again... It's Al Michaels. He like he does things in a broadcast that if it was like a new broadcaster doing these games for the first time, he's kind of really laid back. Oh, you uh, love Al it. Michaels. You love him. I want to give a I want to give a shout out. There's some history about Al Michaels. I don't
1: know. My you know, there's some history there. So do <laughs> what you take, John. I want to give a shout out to a Twitter user, fan of the show, a, a guy called Robbie Snyder, who tweeted that at us, warning that he was gonna start a riot if it was not, a, not one of our calls of the week. I mean, Al. It's by the hair of his chinny chin chin. You got to get the call right at the end of the game. That was not one of his best calls. It was not one of my favorites. And let's go to the game of the weekend. It was the Chiefs 49ers. Here's Jim Nance, Tony Romo calling the touchdown in overtime. Looking to the end zone for the win. He caught it. Ball game. Chiefs to the championship game. Two guys know each other. Unbelievable! This, this is just unfathomable. The Bills had won this game. It was over. Josh Allen with a perfect postseason. Andrew, I kind of, I think you're too hard on Tony Romo. I think he's an out of the box uh, broadcaster. You know, and he he shows his excitement. He doesn't fit within the box, and some people like that. But I heard that call, and I just felt bad for Jim Jim Nance. I thought Nance's call called it. He had the energy. He had the voice, and I actually typed out. What Tony Romo jumped in with. He said, These two guys know each other. What two guys? I don't know what he's talking about. Unbelievable. He didn't finish the word unbelievable. You go, This is just unfathomable. The Bills had won this game. It was over. Josh Allen with a perfect postseason. Like Josh Allen just lost. Like uh, he just, sort you of- just said
0: I was too hard on Tony Romo.
1: It was just an awful, and it, it was a call at the end that that an analyst sh- uh, just uh, should have put into more perspective. And then what we didn't include in that was when he said, "Oh, it's not a catch," and uh, it, the, the replay clearly showed it was a catch. Uh, it was, yeah. it was. He was all over the place, and he ruined what I thought was by Nance the best call of the four.
0: Yeah, I thought Nance had a pretty good wait. I thought you said you had earlier you had I and Eagle. Oh no, no,
1: no. no. I, I I dropped them down deeply oh, okay. because, of, because of Romo.
0: Oh, I see. Romo ruined it for Nance. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, why did all right. So overall, let me just say one thing just to be clear. I've been very high in Romo's, you know, overall. Um, but I gotta call it like I hear it. And he was not good. He's this season they haven't been as good. There's definitely a disconnect between the two of them. Uh Nance's call, I thought was pretty good. Um, he also wasn't uh, calling a field goal as opposed to the other guys. So that's a little bit more stuff going on. Um, not, uh, it, it was good it was, and definitely better. He had a bad call on the bills touchdown with 30 seconds left to Gabriel Davis, where he seems a little lost on terms of putting that in perspective, but it ended up not being the a game, uh, clinching play. Uh, so it worked out. So I thought Nancy did a good job. And I think again, I like Romo. I like his enthusiasm. You nailed it. I just, he's all over the place and they're not finishing sentences. And it's hard to understand. Some people say, Oh, I like it. It's like a fan, maybe, but at some point, you got to be a little more disciplined. And that's where he needs to get to that. Uh, back to if he wants to be considered the best in the business. All right. Before we wrap this up, what's your rankings? Rank
1: those one to four. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: I'll go Eagle one. Uh, despite Romo, eh, now you know, what? I'll go two Joe Buck clean, uh, three Nance, four Michaels
1: wow, we, we spend too much time together. That's exactly how I had it. I wanted to put Nance number one, but it, it just like, yeah. It, uh, yeah Nance uh,
0: was there. Nance was there. He had it in the end Nance zone. Right and then he got exactly. Romo, he have two feet down and Romo came in. He didn't catch it. it was not, it's not a
1: touchdown. I, so, yeah, so that that got <laughs> down to three. Romo uh, uh, that in
0: Nance's hands. Oh, good
1: yeah. Eagles was the cleanest of them all and and poor Al Michaels botching that. At, uh, he, he has to
0: be poor. He's not going to be that poor. He's got uh, Amazon and maybe ESPN <laughs> going after him. <laughs> All right, John, good that's going to do it for us. As always, I enjoyed it. Hope you did too. Yeah, thanks a lot
1: for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week.